With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This is Mark Grace, and you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sandpete. Bayside, New York, coming to you from Dumpling Sound Studios 2, the sister to Dumpling Sound Studios. I am Steve Sampietro, one of your hosts for Radio Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. We got a lot of New York sports to talk. We got a lot of regular sports to talk. We got a lot of sports in general to talk. We are live. This is episode 1131, and we are going to talk sports with you, not at you. In just a couple of seconds. The Bishop, Pop Culture PJ, will be joining us to produce the show. And we have a ton to talk about. There's the World Series. There's football. There's basketball in the lockout. There's the teams of our youth. We're going to talk a little bit about those. Were we naive to love them so much? Uh, there's a ton to talk about. And the number to call, if you want to call in, is 424-220-1817. We will take your calls tonight. Why not? We are live. It's Thursday night. It's 9.30. It's time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Okay. All right. Welcome to the show. I am one of your hosts, Steve San Pietro. again, coming to you live from Bayside, New York. We're going to be joined by my co-host, Brian Calniva Calpino Caliente. Calvi, in just a couple of minutes, he is tending to the children. And I, I wish that was like a euphemism or something like that. It is not. Uh, he is uh, taking care of uh, his his kids, but he's gonna he's gonna jump back in here. We don't want the kids to have nightmares. You know what I mean? Because Brian goes downstairs, uh, locks himself in the basement there in Comac uh, on Long Island, does the show from down there. Uh, and the, the children are upstairs. Can't have it. He's the only guy in the house. Can't have it. So uh, Cal will be joining us in a minute. We're going to talk about the World Series currently underway uh and the cardinals leading that one game to nothing they won the first game of the series fantastic this game tonight is a pitcher's duel it was scoreless uh going into the uh it's in the, the top of the sixth there pitcher's duel which is rare for these playoffs i've seen a couple but we've also seen tony larusa use 49 pitches in 12 games 
We're going to talk about that and how baseball has changed. We're going to talk a little bit about the NFL and, of course, the Jets. And, of course, Rex Ryan and his huge mouth got in trouble again talking about Norv Turner and the Chargers. And what does it really mean? What is really happening? I know there's a lot of bluster with Rex. This is year three. We know this. You know, uh, uh, the Bishop Pop Culture PJ termed this jet season Survivor. And he plays the Survivor music. Anytime we start talking about the Jets in this season, sort of like that. And he's right. He's spot on. This, this has really become a matter of the strongest, fittest will survive this Jets season. They've already had Santonio Holmes sniping at his own teammates. They've already had Rex Ryan saying he would have won championships, multiple championships with other teams, guaranteeing the Super Bowl. One guy's already been shipped out of town, traded because he opened his mouth. He deigned, he dared open his mouth to the media. Right now. And we're going to find out if they're actually going to put Rex's... I've never watched that show. But I'm, I've been told that they put out a candle or something. I don't know. The show's like 19 years old, by the way, too. It's been on the air for uh, 27 years. It's MASH right now. Um, so we're going to talk about the Jets and their big game coming up with the Chargers. And, of course, Cal and I are going to that game, which is super exciting. My, uh, if For those of you who listen to the podcast, you know that I had season tickets for the Jets for 19 years. I gave them up when they moved to the new stadium, et cetera, et cetera. So I went from going to uh, eight games a year to one one game I get to pick. And uh, we picked this Charger game. Uh, seemed the most family-friendly. It's a one o'clock game. It cannot be shifted. Uh, we got good tickets. Uh, we're sitting in uh, Section 124 by Fireman Ed, which we'll talk about later as well. It's going to take everything in my power not to punch Fireman Ed. Um, so we're going to the game, big tailgate Sunday, uh, Cal and I have never been to a game together all these years, never been to a game together. So we'll talk a little bit about what it's like to go to a jet game with me. I'm a little bit of a different animal. Uh, and then uh, in the fun load, a little later on, uh, we're going to talk about the teams of our youth. Uh, it was revealed this week that, well, it had been revealed before. Supposedly, it was a big breaking story on ESPN. ESPN broke its arm patting itself on the back for its E60 last night with Doc Gooden, where Doc Gooden said uh, he was high as a kite watching the Mets World Series parade in 1986 from his dealer's apartment. Uh, and But we knew a lot of this. He had gone on WFAN uh, earlier this year with Boomer and Carton and talked about this. And in the great book, The Bad Guys Won, uh, which is an excellent read, not just for a Mets fan, but a great read for a baseball fan because there will never be a team like that again uh, by Jeff Perlman, which is eight years old. Uh, and Jeff Perlman in that book revealed that Dwight Gooden missed the uh, the Mets championship parade, their ride down the Canyon of Heroes here in New York, uh, because uh, he was uh, busy with the nose candy. He was uh, He was high as a kite. He just might. Stop to check you out. So we'll talk a little bit about is does that tarnish a team from your youth that you loved? Uh, how do you view the teams you loved as a kid now that you're a cynical uh, adult? Uh, so Cal will be with us in a second, but uh, I would be remiss if I did not bring in a producer and say hello to him, uh, the Bishop Pop Culture PJ, the Pooh, 
So uh, let's say hello to him now uh, for a second. I have a, a nice glass of wine. Going to have a glass of wine tonight with the show. Do you like the wine, <laughs> more women? No, that was the uh, that was the old guy from uh, A Clockwork Orange. Oh wow! Do you like the what? My wife was in a terrible accident. Oh dear. What uh, what British actor was that? What like it was like a total character guy or what? I don't know if he was even British. <laughs> Sounds like he had to have been. I think. Well, I think they, they just wanted him to sound sort of uh, educated. PJ, and, let me uh, ask, let me bookish. ask you and bookish, yes, which uh, is often British. Um, let me ask you a question: How many times have you seen A Clockwork Orange? Less than ten, ballpark, but not, but not less than seven. So let's say seven, eight, nine, or ten times. <laughs> well, you just said less than ten. So I, uh, so I'm going to hold you that. So we're we're dealing with eight or nine times. Could be. Do you qualify? How do you? You know how you have favorite comedies, favorite. Like you have to genreize, genreize. If genreize, yes, <laughs> genreize. Yeah. Jean Valjean's brother in Les Misérables was genreize. Uh, but no, you know how you have to like genreize your favorite movies. I mean, you can't just have a top five. Can we say categorize and really never use that word again? <laughs> well, that's, that's fine. Wait a minute. Strike that. Reverse it. Thank you. To categorize what, what, what about it? Fine. If you want the show to be all intelligent and stuff, fine. Categorize. Ooh. Don't you have to categorize your favorite movies? Though you can't just like if I said to you tomorrow, give me your top five movies of all time. Oh right. Oh for, right. Like for instance, I called you once and I made a great defense of what I called the two and a half star comedy, and you knew exactly what I was talking about. That's correct. And you could have a top five favorite two-and-a-half-star comedies. Right. Exactly. Old school. There's well, one. That's, <laughs> exactly. Well, that's what I – Dodgeball. Old, old school dodgeball. These are, these are what this is built on. Right. Right? <laughs> so my question to you is where do you categorize – see how he, he learns. <laughs> um, I still like genre eyes. Fine. It, it's good That's, for a movie. Okay, so where do you genreize? Genreize. A Clockwork Orange. Boy, this was a long way for me to get to this, but. Okay, okay, okay. Right. Is it a comedy? Is it a black comedy? Is it a, is it a two hour fantasy? Is it fantasy? Is it sci fi? Is it. Well, I'll give you a category, but you'll probably call it a cop out. Okay. Kubrickian. <laughs> See, I'm sorry. Boy, that's that's dirty pool right there, my friend. I but it, but isn't it though? It, it I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And, because, and that could be a genre unto itself, without a doubt. Yeah. Because those movies are confusing and a little bit horrifying and uh, a little bit funny. You're sort of ashamed sometimes at what you're laughing at. Right. What is what is so? Give me your top five Kubrickian in the Kubrickian genre. 
In the okay, uh, two thousand one. Space number, Odyssey. This is in order, correct? <sighs> oh, wait a minute. Back up. <laughs> Back. Boop, boop, Back up. Boop, I, I got to put them. I got to put them in order. Uh, uh, least, least to most favorite. Most to least correct. favorite. That's correct. Or wh- whichever I like best with eggs. Wh- which is it? <laughs> best to uh, favorite to uh, fifth favorite. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. And okay. go. And go. Okay. Let's keep, My, it, keep in mind what's at stake here, PJ. A new Dodge Prius. Wait, no. A <laughs> Toyota Prius. I'll take the Dodge Prius. I mean, maybe they maybe they put they put the the Ram engine in it. That's correct. With the 350 Hemi. Right. Dodge Prius. <laughs> uh, and, Dodge and 30 seconds on the clock. Go. All right. Number one, uh, Full Metal Jacket, simply because I've watched it the most. Okay. Two. Uh, number number two, uh, 2001. Just groundbreaking uh, from every angle. Sure. Okay? Yes. Okay. Number three, uh, Eyes Wide Shut. People do uh, not like this movie. I, I asked them to go back and see it again. Divorce yourself from the fact that you hate the stars. Right. And see that that is a crazy movie. Crazy. Crazy. Number four, crazy. Uh, The Shining. Um, which is not always digested well, but when you're in the right mood, it's just uh, perfect. Okay. And uh, five, Strange Love. Wow. So Strange Love falls all the way. To, so you don't even have Clockwork Orange in there. No, because I've seen it a lot. <laughs> no. <laughs> not really. That's uh, <laughs> that's quite a list. The beautiful yeah. part about that list, Pidge, is that if you watched all those movies back to back. Yeah, like on just one Saturday, like you had your your Kubrick Saturday where you just went nuts. Oh boy! Someone would have to stay with you for a week. <laughs> You'd end up curled up in a ball. Right. I don't even. <laughs> I don't even think you get to fetal position after that. First of all, it's like seventeen hours of movie. Well, a little bit lengthy, except for Strange Love. Um, yeah. Right. Second of all. It really, you would be partially lobotomized. <laughs> some, some some little part of you would die if you watched all five of those movies back to back to back to back to back. Could be. Yeah, but I, you know what? We should try it for an experiment. Now, uh, no, we should not do that. All right. I'll um, try it either way. Now, I have to ask you this, and then I, and then I, I want to ask you about the World Series because we're still waiting on Cal. Right, uh, very Kubrickian, the World Series. It is very Kubrickian right now. Well, with the amount of pitching changes, yes, one game lasts as long as mm, uh, mm. eyes wide shut. Oh, I like what you've done there. Yeah, uh, the, these games, because of the pitching changes and because of Tony Larusa, have basically become uh, the extended editions, director's cuts of baseball games. Um can I say you you've all, you have just put me in such a good mood? You you know the mood that I was in five minutes before airtime. I do. You heard the the mood I was in. You elevated you, my mood completely. You cursed me out. But it wasn't directed at you. It was directed at the universe. Right. Uh, good. I, I'll ask you this while we're uh, while we're here. If yes. if Stanley 
uh, Kubrick directed a a sports movie. Oh. Okay, so he was going to go back and remake a sports movie. Oh, a remake. Okay. Right, okay. right. Because I can't. I mean, I can't see him doing an original one. You know what I mean? Like that. That we we would have to do a whole podcast on that. Like what? <laughs> like writing the script right. for a movie for Stanley Kubrick to direct a sports movie. But no, I'm saying no. Uh, this is this is what Kubrick would do. Kubrick would do the movie about what drives someone like Bill Belichick, who's a genius. Look at that. To still have to go and and cheat. Do you think that that's brilliant? Do you think that though he would look for a story like cuz we saw what Oliver Stone did with Any Given Sunday, right? So right. Oliver Stone Cameron Diaz, he's out. He's dead to me now. No, you know what? That's not that bad of a movie on rewatch, Peach. It's not. Yeah. It, All right, it, look, if, uh, I, just, I, mean, if look, I can plug Eyes Wide Shut, you could you right. could certainly plug Any Given Sunday. And look, you have problems when LT is acting circles around, you know, Cameron Diaz and Jamie Foxx and, you know. I mean, LT has I do not I do not like that actor by the way. He's uh That's a whole of that's a whole other show. Which Diaz or uh, Fox? Jamie Fox. Don't I don't no, please. No. Right. No, thank you. Please bring it back. It's cold. We'll do it another time. Yeah. Um no, but you know, again, when LT is uh putting on an an acting clinic with the scene in the steam room, uh, you have some problems with the script, but my my question is more: What does Kubrick do? Does he go after a true story? Like, does he does he take on the Red Sox collapse this year, where now it's been revealed that guys are drinking beers in the dugout? <laughs> guys well, were drinking beers in the dugout while the team was collapsing and eating fried chicken every night, and you know, on their off starts, and like, really didn't seem to to, to have any sort of grasp on the fact that they were about to. Blow the pennant, you know. <laughs> but are, are people shocked by that revelation? By the way, I mean, I know that like people on the radio pretend to be shocked by this revelation. But if if you take that up and down the street and and read that article to people, do people go, oh, "Never, never in a million years," or do they go, "Yeah, I, I I expect that." Here's where the shock is, I think, Peach. I think the shock is in and stunned. He, and stunned, yeah, <laughs> really stunned. Uh, I think the the shock factor is in the fact that it's these athletes now, and that baseball players twenty five years ago, and we're going to talk later on about the eighty six Mets and the revelations that they're doing. You know, they're ordering coke from their dealers in between innings, literally. Right. Well, okay. you know, that's and when the phone is free. Right. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> it's a good time to use the bullpen phone. <laughs> no, but you, you you know you had Hernandez, you know, guys like Keith Hernandez, and they used to drink beers in the dugout. You know they they used to you know the eighth inning of a blowout. Why not pop a beer? You know, I don't think it's expected today of the modern baseball player who's making sixteen million dollars a year and is supposed to be a quote unquote athlete. They've gone from being ball players to being athletes. And baseball is around, you know, around year occupation. It's not like these guys have to have other jobs in the off season anymore. You know, th well, these these are supposed to be highly conditioned professional athletes who shouldn't really be drinking beers on the bench during a game. I think that that is 
a psychological failing of anybody who's living in modern times when they just assume that we're more advanced now than they were then because this is now and we are us. <laughs> right. And, the, and then you ask around and you find that, oh, well, okay, we really are really just still a bunch of monkeys with better clothes. <laughs> well, and, and, and the other thing is that these, these guys are, are ballplayers. You know, I, uh, they're they're still ball players. They're still human beings. And as one of them, you know, one of the players said, John Lester uh, said, "Hey, look, I was drinking beers in the clubhouse on my off days because he's a pitcher. Drinking beers on in the clubhouse on my off days when we were twenty five games over five hundred and in first place. Yeah. So, you know, is that the reason that we collapsed? I don't think so. But it's just interesting that there's all this shock and awe." About the oh you know ball players I mean look Pete you can go back to 1999 with the Mets okay 12 years ago yeah and the, when the Mets were in the playoffs against the Braves there was much made much ado made about the fact that Ricky Henderson and Bobby Bonilla were playing cards in the clubhouse and not on the bench watching Game Six of the NLCS. You know, and the Mets had come back from I think like eight one down. It was a crazy game. The Mets came back from like eight one down, tied it at eight, wound up losing on a walk off walk. Kenny Rogers. Oh, could it be that the fan base is mystified that the players don't always take it as seriously as they do? Well, that's it's not even mystified. It's insulted. You're insulted. Oh, if you're oh, if you're a Red Sox fan right now, you're insulted. I go to I go to 81 games a year. I spend $10,000 on or $8,000 on season tickets. Okay, I watch every game. I DVR it. I read the papers all the time. I'm online. I'm looking at the blogs. I'm doing this, that, and the other thing. And you're drinking beers on the bench? They're not Marines. But they're, <laughs> they're playing a they're playing a pastoral game in a park. I'm not saying I, it, it, if if I'm, if you're I'm disappointed thinking, in failings like that, then then you you you're just you're putting too much into it, but including I'm your money. It's right though, Pete. I'm not saying it's right, but I am saying, can't you see that mentality from the guy who spent who only makes fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year and spends eight thousand dollars of it on going to games at Fenway Park, and you know buys all the jerseys and the and the the you know all the the merchandising and stuff, and and he's got his kids decked out in the Red Sox stuff, and you know he bleeds for this team, and to find out that your guys don't take it seriously, and and it is their job. I know they're not Marines, but it's their job. Hey, I know guys who drink at work and they still take their job seriously. Yeah, they're in bands. They are. They're in television. <laughs> Even worse. I, I, I look. I understand again. These these guys are not in the army for sure. And Lester's point, I think, is well taken. I think that point is well taken. That look, we were doing this when we were twenty five games up in the best team in baseball. Mm-hmm. So that's that's everybody's looking for a reason for that Red Sox collapse. That's not it. But if I'm look, I'm a Mets fan. You know how I am with the Mets. You know how Cal is with the Mets. It never occurred to me that you even liked the Mets. You've not. Yes, I know you're a Mets fan. <laughs> you never studied. 
Uh, <laughs> let me guess. Goza worshippers. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, Cal and I, this is talked about a lot, Pige. I don't know if we've talked about it on the show, but we may have alluded to it with uh, when Cal, we had... we talked about this. Thank you. We may have alluded to it when we had Patrick Flood on. Uh, Patrick Flood right. writes the great the great blog on uh, SNY.TV, Patrick Flood blog, uh, and he's a great Met blogger. And I think we talked about this with him, so you may have caught it. But Tom Glavin still gets ripped to shreds in these parts by Met fans because of his comments after he lost, uh, was the losing pitcher in the game, the last game of the season in 2007 that completed the great Met collapse when they blew a seven-game lead with or a, a seven-game lead with seventeen seven and a half-game lead with seventeen games to play. Mm-hmm. Okay, epic collapse, but they had a chance to at least tie if they won the last game of the season and 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 avert having the worst collapse of all time. So Tom Glavin goes out that day and gives up eight runs in the first inning. And they well, never had. They right. My bad. <laughs> they never. I, I didn't even crack a beer watching that game. I hadn't even right. sat down. You just my, throw up your arms. Right with my first Rheingold. Um, I was at that game. Well, well, well. Looky what we have here. Cal. Let's let's, <laughs> let's welcome him into the Cal. show. Conversation. Uh, Cal, welcome to the show. I'm just trying to kind of slide in. You, you As did. if I've been here all along. Brian, you know what I'm going to say, though. You know I'm going to talk about Tom Glavin's comments after that game. And Met fans still rip him to shreds for this, PJ. And he was right. What he said was right. It's not the end of the world. That's right. But but baseball fans and Met, or Met fans, I should say, wanted him to be devastated. And he said, I'm not devastating. This is not devastating. You know, like world hunger is devastating. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and he's right. He's definitely right. But you know what? When you just blew the friggin' game, I don't want to hear it. Tell me you're very, very upset. <laughs> Lie to me. Lie to me. I don't care. Lie to me. You know, we've been in bed all season. Lie to me. I. I've said this before. I, just, I, I think that sports fans can get a little bit overwrought. They they have a little too much riding on stuff. Not you. You're a very well-centered person. I don't know about that. Off-center. <laughs> Thank you, I think. I think in a way they expect too much. And especially, you know, hindsight and all that. Fair. I will say this. I was listening to Marin today, right? I was listening to uh, uh, WTF, the Mark Marin podcast that I've been listening to for two years. It's fantastic. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. It's unbelievable. In fact, PJ, he had uh, John Hamm on. Uh, not last, maybe last week. And uh Wow. Can't tell you what the man crush on John Hamm is right now. Mm-hmm. But yours or his? I both. Oh, <laughs> Cal, I think if you put John Hamm and I in a room together right now, it's awkward. 
for everyone else, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's in the room. That's right. Yeah, that was October third. Oh, it was fantastic. Just you just want to hang out with John Hamm. We got to can you get what kind of producer are you? Can you get John Hamm on the program? I can get you a copy of the WTF podcast of John Hamm. <laughs> and they will sue us to the ends of the earth, but we'll play it. Imagine we imagine we like edit that in, like we edit <laughs> answers. <laughs> we make we make the questions about sports and we just have them like, "Yeah, I loved it." <laughs> um He's actually a sports guy too. Like he grew up a Cardinals fan and stuff like. That. Ugh. Anyway, Marin said today he had a really good guest on a, a comedian named uh, oh what's his name Burris is his last name uh, Hannibal Burris, really good up and coming comedian who said he's a big sports guy. And Marin said, you know what? I don't get it. I never got it. Uh, I don't begrudge it necessarily, but I think people put way too much into it, and they. Ah. They define themselves by it, and they live and die with it, and I just never understood that. And you know what? So be it. I am what I am. You know what I mean? That's what you married, Adrian. You married a, you married a fighter. <laughs> yeah, but see, but you're not going out for blood over this beer in the clubhouse thing. And he the guy $1,000 on Mets tickets and is angry about beer in the clubhouse, I bet you he'd be really thrilled if he got invited down to have a beer with the guys in the clubhouse. <laughs> That's a good point. They're, the Mets are missing a tremendous promotional <laughs> opportunity. You pick two fans, like Van Halen. You go out, you pick two fans, you bring them back, give them a beer. <laughs> Van Cal- Halen would do more, but we'll leave it there. Cal State Fullerton, my friend. What do you, what do you make of this? You, you saw all the hubbub about... Lester and and Lackey and and Popeye's chicken and the beers and stuff like that. I mean, do we expect too much of these guys? I you know I think a lot of this stuff goes on and you never hear about it, and it's only going to come out at a time like this when the Red Sox blow, you know, one of the biggest collapses in September history. Right. Right. If they hadn't if they hadn't blown blown their playoff spot. I don't think you would have even heard about this. I mean, so many. I mean, I mean, look, look at everything. Would have, everything would be different? Theo Epstein would still be there. Francona would probably still be there. You would never know about the beer and chicken. They could be playing now. Yeah. Um, that's an amazing chain of events. That that not not the beer and chicken. I, I refuse to blame them blowing the pennant. Or blowing a, a playoff spot on beer and chicken. Sorry. No, you can't. Well, you can't. You can't blame them blowing the pennant on it. But it just, you know, it illustrates that there are things that go on in the sanctity of a clubhouse. That's the whole point. You forget these are athletes that we watch, and they're paid to perform and entertain us. But they're also people, right? And they're always under the microscope. And the one place they're not under the microscope ever in their life essentially, is the clubhouse. Right. That's pretty much the only sacred place they have in their life, aside from their home. And even, in some cases, not even their home. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So we don't know half of what goes on in that clubhouse. And every now and then, things kind of bleed out, and you hear stories. I I, I wouldn't put it past... A half a dozen other teams have similar situations going on in their clubhouse. 
except they didn't blow a 10-game lead in September. So you're not going to hear about it. You know, it's a convenient alibi. I think you nailed it. I think you absolutely nailed it. Yep. You know, what does bother me is when your season is on the line and you got two guys playing cards in the clubhouse. That rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, I, I somehow knew if we were going to get into this conversation, and we're going to talk about the World Series. I, I want to talk to you about the World Series in a minute, Cal, but uh, that, that definitely came up. And also, Peach, don't let me forget, we're going to figure out what movie Stanley Kubrick would remake, what sports movie. I'm thinking uh, about it. I am, I am literally scratching my head thinking about that right now. Start Googling, start Googling some – Googling? What am I? What happened there? <laughs> start Googling, all right? Start, what, what I'm just happened use, to my I'm going to use the genre-nator. The <laughs> Go genre all right, with the Google. Genre-nator. I feel like he can do some interesting genre. things with the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick presents. The Mighty Ducks 2. <laughs> Can't stop that. Can't yeah. stop that. I'm out. That's it. No, seriously, come back and, and we'll think about that. But uh, I knew the card playing was going to come up, Ryan. But, this, but now, let, let me ask you, does that make me a hypocrite? I don't have a problem with them eating chicken in the clubhouse, but I've got a huge problem with Bobby Vanilla and Ricky Henderson playing cards in the sixth, in the sixth game of the playoffs of the NLCS. Tie game, extra innings. They're playing cards. That drives me crazy. But these other guys that are that are stuffing their face with Popeyes doesn't bother me. Am I a hypocrite? Uh, not for that reason. No, um, <laughs> not because of that. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think you are because I think it has to be tempered by, A, the players. See, now, you know what drives you a little crazy there? is one of those players for the Red Sox is John Lackey. Right. So, you know, John Lester, uh, Beckett, Josh Beckett, eating wings and (laughs) eating Popeyes and drinking beers on their off days, fine. Okay, they contributed something to this season. The crazy thing about it is if you were to pick a Red Sox team to do this, you would never in a million years pick the 2011 Red Sox. You could see the 2004 Red Sox doing this, right, with Millar and Manny and right, right, Fox and 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 Damon and Cowboy Up and all of them, right, Trot Nixon. You know, Trot Nixon was just drinking beers. Oh, no, and, and yeah. eat a lot of chicken. <laughs> no, but the the Bonilla Henderson incident bothers me more because it's the playoffs. But it always bothered me more because of who it was. Because it was Ricky Henderson and because it was Bobby Bonilla. Because it was two guys that obviously didn't care about being on the Mets. Obviously didn't care about the outcome of the game. Obviously were there collecting a paycheck in the later stages of their career. And and that bothered me more. Look, you you don't have to bleed or live and die the way I do. Okay, I don't expect this uh, of those guys. It's nice when it's there. It's nice when it's David Wright, and he seems to care about being a Met as much as I care about the Mets. Okay, but I I, I am not naive enough to think, and we're going to talk about naivete a little later in the fun load. I'm not naive enough to think that every guy feels that way. But there's a significant difference, Cal. No, you're not a hypocrite. There's a significant difference between 
doing something they did all season. Like I said, they did it when they were 25 games up in the best team in baseball too. Right. Now, now should it have stopped when the you know when the going's bad? Well, maybe they thought it was their good luck charm. Who knows? <laughs> I always drink 12 beers on my off day. I mean, I always I always drink I drink six beers on my, on the second day between starts and right. <laughs> On my throw day, it's only three three beers. That's right. When I throw, I only I, – they're 22s, but still. Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> that's right. I don't, um, I don't yeah, no. Nah. But, but that, that's a very good point, though, that it has to do with the individual involved because John Lester – not John Lester. John Lackey is much maligned by the Boston faithful. Well, yeah. He's and, of questionable and character. So. Right, and rightfully so. He's also a guy who called out his teammates, who, who bitched and moaned about the fielding behind him. I'm, are you serious? You pitched yeah. with six five ERA. Like, you know, him doing it is unacceptable. If I'm a Red Sox fan, unacceptable. <laughs> but anyway, listen, the World Series, Cal. This game tonight is uh, is pretty fascinating. It completely destroyed what I was going to talk about. <laughs> What, the, uh, how there's so many pitching changes and the games take four hours and... I was going to talk... Oh, we just have a run on the board. As the, we do. The Cardinals just scored in the bottom of the seventh off Alex Ogando. Alec- Alexi? Alexi Ogando. And you know who it was? Was it Alberto Jose Ogando? It was not. Um, the guy that drove in the run? Yachty. No, it's the new... Mr. October, it's the flavor of the month. Ah, uh, the Craig kid. Alan Craig. Alan Craig. And he drove in freeze. And he drove in freeze. So Alan Craig is, uh, wel- welcome welcome to the party, Alan Craig, my goodness. Well, it's one nothing in the bottom of the seventh in this complete pitcher's duel. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, I had a couple of questions for you, Cal. I jotted down some notes about the World Series and the playoffs in general. Okay. Okay. So did, first did of, you really jotted them down? I did. First did you jot all, them down, or did you, or did you, like, make a BlackBerry note? I actually typed them in the WordPad. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. I thought maybe I don't know if you went old school with like memo pad and pencil. No, okay. I did not go legal paper, legal <laughs> pad, and leaf uh, in a binder. That's right. I did not go in a marble notebook. You know, I I uh, am the former lead singer of a grunge band, though, so I had several marble notebooks. <laughs> in fact, uh, when, I, when I first joined the band with PJ, I was given one uh, oh, at the, that, the first rehearsal. Standard issue with a flannel shirt. That's correct. I nice. was given. I was. And- <laughs> Uh, for that band, yes. Oh, P- yeah, PJ, PJ asked me to uh, to join the band. They were not a grunge band by any means. No, uh, they were already an established, really good band, and uh, I decided they were going to be a grunge band, whether they liked it or not. That that's always the new guy deciding the direction of the band. That's right. And I showed up at the first rehearsal, and uh, with my, uh, you know, my my shorts. You know, my khaki shorts, and it was like 25 degrees, and uh, my, like, overcoat, and my copy of On the Road uh, <laughs> in my pocket. 
you know, folded up that I had been reading on the subway. And, of course, my Marvel notebook. Right. So I and I could write down lyrics. And I can, I, the picture is just so vivid, too. Yeah. That's I also uh, probably, and, and PJ can probably confirm this, probably had my own bottle of wine. Traveled with my own, my own bottle of red. Oh boy, oh boy! Anyway, a time ago. Yeah. So I, I actually typed these up on the little netbook. Hmm. And uh, no, but you, you actually sent us out to get you wine. <laughs> you got there, and because you, you, it wasn't, it wasn't any, any like ego move or anything. You had just you were just a little bit late, and you were like, "God, it, I I could warm up better if I just had a little wine." And PJ, uh, so we we sent Pat PJ? out to the store, and he came back with two bottles of red. PJ, was this the first day that he showed up? Uh, this was that was that was the first day in the recording studio. We we when Steve joined, we had a recording studio date. Um, already, already on the calendar. <laughs> so we had about nine days before we were going in. Oh boy! So um, he was really nervous the whole time. I drank a lot of red wine. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 some late takes from some songs from that session that uh, not audible. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so forty nine pitching changes, right? Tony right. Larusa has made 49 pitching changes. I went in and and uh, and yesterday Chris Carpenter pitched into the sixth inning or got more than 15 outs. He was the first pitcher since Chris Carpenter in Game Five of the uh, NLDS uh, to get the first Cardinal starter to get more than 15 outs. Okay, has the model changed? Now, I went back and I looked at the 2009 World Series, the 2010 World Series, uh, and, and looked at some of the box scores. And a number of those games, like game one last year of the uh, Giants and, um, and Rangers, was like an 11-7 game that Lincecum started and San, San Francisco used seven pitchers to get the win. Uh, and Lincecum started the game. Okay, now there were some other really well-pitched games in that World Series. Uh, you know, Baumgartner went seven and a third. They won another game where Sanchez only pitched like four and two-thirds. And it was all bullpens. So now we've always joked that Tony La Russa reinvented the game, right? Mm-hmm. He invented that, the game. Right. He didn't reinvent it. Right, that he, he, Tim McCarver, and Bobby Valentine got together, had some wings at Valentine's. At Bobby's restaurant. At Bobby's restaurant. Connecticut. Then went to an undisclosed cabin. A cabin in an undisclosed location. I think it was Socrates, upstate New York. I don't know. They were they were in Connecticut. They might they might have driven down to throw off the scent. It's like in The Godfather when they're going to the restaurant <laughs> and they right. sit around on the bridge. You would never have expected that. That's true. And 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 McCarver said we're going to Jersey, and then they spun the thing around on the bridge. So, but Larusa is not the only guy doing this. No. He's just the best at it. Yeah. So my first question to you is, is this good for baseball? The specialization has gotten gotten to a point where the Cardinals are in the World Series this year, and the Phillies are home. And the Phillies have four of the best starters 
you could say four of the best 20 starters in baseball probably. Is that fair? Um, Safe. It's probably close, 25. Yeah. Okay, I know Oswald uh, was up and down this year and stuff, but they they have two of the best in Halliday and Lee. Right. Cole Hamels had a tremendous year, and Oswald's not bad for a fourth starter. And they're home because you can throw situational pitcher after situational pitcher at their offense. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is two years in a row that they're home. And this year they were even better because they had Lee. It, has that changed postseason baseball? I mean, are, we, that, well, are we well past the, the, the time where we're ever going to see, like, three starters get three or get all the wins in a series? We could be. I mean, we're past it in, in, in the regular season. I mean, how many guys go – how many guys go – Certainly, complete games are, are are a thing of the past, except for a small handful of pitchers. Sabathia can go the distance. Halliday, um, even guys like Felix Hernandez doesn't finish his own games. No, you know Verlander will finish his own game, but there's very few of them that are going to go the distance. Right. So the model has already changed in baseball in, in general, and then you drill down a little bit more in the playoffs. Every inning of every game is so important that the manager feels that they have to manage every situation individually. And that's where you're seeing all of this. You know, in the regular season, you would leave a, you would leave a starter in. If, he, if he's at 90 pitches in the sixth inning and it's a lefty pitching to a, a righty that actually kills lefties, He'll probably leave him in in a game in July. He would never think to leave that guy in in a playoff game. And I don't think it's ever going to go back to the way that it was. I don't think it can, right? No. It's, well, I don't it's evolution. think it can swing back, right. But is the, is the evolution good? And on t- see, exactly, Cal. You hit the nail on the head, exactly what I was thinking. And with – Moneyball, I know Moneyball and, and advanced uh, statistics and sabermetrics and stuff have been here for a few years. But I feel like for some reason, maybe it's because of how much I'm on Twitter. Maybe it's because I read Moneyball this year and it's the first time I'm watching a World Series and I'm watching a playoffs after I've read Moneyball and have a, a little better grasp about sabermetrics. And I haven't embraced them fully, but uh, I have embraced them somewhat, especially from a managerial standpoint. And also that guy's running my team now. There's a sabermetician, you know, Paul D. Podesta and and Ricciardi, uh, they're running my team now. <laughs> so I definitely pay more attention to it. But are are those two things diametrically opposed? In other words, can a manager micromanage every inning from a pitching standpoint and still bunt, <laughs> sacrifice bunt in like the fifth inning? With a non-pitcher and given out away, it, it seems like the two are at at opposite ends of the spectrum. Like, are we going to get a manager that does both? Well, let's look at Tony Larusa as the example of the micromanaging of of the bullpen. He does not give up outs. He never bunts. You know, so there's so there's your answer. Okay. Right now, you, we we don't have that. 
That's true. He's, you know? the clo- he's got to be the closest example, right? Well, he's the well. I think he's the guy that, like you said, he he micromanages the pen the best of anybody. Right. But you're never going to see Charlie Manuel do this, Cal. No. No, no, no. <laughs> you're never going to see Charlie Manuel not think it's a good play to bump the tying run over in the sixth inning of a game on the road. No, but you're going to see you're going to see these young managers, the guys that are fresh off playing. You know, they're the guys that are going to start doing that, and and it's going to be a whole new wave of managers. It's it's a it's a new regime of of guys. Right. The you know, the the old guard is going to be gone, and you're going to have these new guys doing different things. It's but again, like I said, it's evolution. The game is evolving. It's changing. To answer your question, I don't think that this managing of the bullpen is is a change for the better. I don't like it. You know, I think you're, you what you're doing is is you are teaching pitchers to be super specialized from an early age. I, but on the flip side, and I, I always got a, an opposite here. <laughs> I always because I I can't think I can't take a stand. Very wishy-washy. No, no, no. Go ahead. I, no, I uh, I am. All right, but that's you know that's a personal problem. We'll that's get, another therapy session. We'll get that's to that the another time. Yeah. No, I think that for the pitcher, the player himself, it's a good thing because it's going to extend his career. You know, good. you get a, you have a lefty specialist. Look at Arthur Rhodes well, in the World <laughs> Series. But I mean, he's he's you know he's an anomaly. But is he? Is he an anomaly? If you have a pitcher coming up through the minors that's being groomed to be a lefty specialist. A loogie. A loogie. <laughs> this, guy, this guy could essentially pitch 25 years because he's not going to have the wear and tear on his arm. Right. Right? Yeah. He's always going to be in demand because teams are always looking for that specialist to get one out. Right. So, it's no, it's true. But my, it, from, a, from a fan's perspective, I don't like it. From an athlete's perspective, it's a good thing for them. Right. So with this evolution... What I was starting to think about today when I was thinking about this is is and and we're seeing it tonight. We're seeing a really well pitched game, obviously. And uh, in, in, in one in which you know uh, uh, Jaime Garcia pitched extraordinarily well, but you know very well that Larusa will use nineteen pitchers in the eighth and ninth inning. I mean, he's, he's, he's already he, doing it. Right, he'll use Mott in the ninth. He'll use his closer. He loves his closer. Right. Uh, for, from the Eckersley days. I mean, he's always going to use he, his closer. He's the guy that, that revolutionized that. Right. But um, he'll use 19 guys in the eighth inning if he has to. But has the the old axiom, you know, good pitching will always beat good hitting in the playoffs, right? Doesn't that have to change a bit now to good specialized pitching will beat good hitting in the playoffs? Like I just if, think you, if you have good specialists, you can overcome having a half uh, and only statistically and or stuff wise decent starting staff. You can have the one ace that you can lean on or whatever, but if you have good specialists that can that can pitch from the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, yeah, your staff could be mediocre. Your staff could be mediocre at best. I mean, the Diamondbacks won 90 games, Cal. 
I think I think the model that we see with Philadelphia with the four aces, it's not maybe not the best way to go. It's it, it just to look me. At, it's, look at the it two seems, teams in the World Series, right? And it also, but it also seems. I mean, from a even if from a statistical standpoint, and we, you and I, always sort of felt this way about the Phillies. You can get the Phillies out. Sure. The Phillies are still. If you have a great lefty specialist to go against Ryan Howard in the late innings, you can, you can, you don't need a starter to go nine innings. You need a lefty to get Ryan Howard out in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. Keep the game close. Okay, and then have a lefty to get to Chase Utley and Ryan Howard, have a lefty to pitch to, to Robinson Cano and Curtis Granderson, have a good right-handed guy to go against A-Rod. You know what I mean? You can specialize these guy, this hitting out. Sure. And it's, it's going to be the teams that get to, you know, get to the bullpens that win. This is why the Yankees, to me, have failed of late, Cal. Well, but you want to, but that's that's a tough argument because the Yankees had a very good bullpen this year. No, 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 but uh, no, 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 no. I'm saying from it from an offensive standpoint. Okay, the Yankees outhit their pitching this year without a doubt. Throughout the regular season, yeah, absolutely. In the regular season, they won 98 games. They outhit their pitching. Yes, they had an ace. They had Ivan Nova. They had a bunch of spaghetti that they threw at the wall. They had a great bullpen. They were a very solid. I shouldn't say great. Very solid bullpen. Okay. I mean, they had a very good bullpen. Yeah, Robertson, Rivera, but they feast on lousy relief pitchers. They feast. That offense feasts on terrible bullpens. Yep. So you get the starter. The starter only goes five or six innings. Then the Yankees would get into that bullpen, and I would love to see the numbers. Maybe Dr. Ray can look this up for us someday because it's, it's, it's a little advanced. <laughs> but I would love to see what their 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th run scoring was. You know, and how many times in, this, in the 6th inning the Yankees scored 7 runs. You know what I mean? Or they scored 7 runs from the 6th in, inning on. I mean, they feasted on bad bullpens. Well, you don't see those bad bullpens in the playoffs. No. And if you do, the Yankees beat them. Well, look what the Rangers did at the trading deadline. All right, they, sir. Who did they go pick up? Their two biggest acquisitions, Mike Adams and uh, – I'm not going to pronounce it right – Koji Uehara. Uh-huh. That was close. Is that close enough? Yeah, I'm, sure um, I'm sure he'll be fine with it. He's all right with that. Yeah. Uh, those, are, those were their two big acquisitions at the, at the deadline. They went and improved the bullpen. And you, you tell me if the Mets, who finished – what they finished, 77 and 85? I don't know. Yeah, seventy-seven and eighty-five. I think that's right. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, I think it was seventy-seven and eighty-five. You tell me if that bullpen wasn't worth ten wins. <sighs> that bullpen was atrocious, Brian. The bullpen was awful. Look at oh, look, right. the, look at the numbers on that bullpen. Look at how many games they lost late and close. Look at how many. I'm not even talking about blown saves. I'm talking about blown holds in the sixth inning. That bullpen was atrocious. Atrocious. It's the right. First, I know the first order of business is sign Jose Reyes. The second one is build a bullpen. Because that was that, that bull, their starting pitching was not very good, but their starting pitching was about the same as it was the year before, even without Johan Santana. From a statistical aspect, they actually continue to walk guys at a ridiculous rate. I'm not sure how Dan Warland keeps his job, but I know there's other reasons. But it drives you crazy. They play in a freaking Yellowstone Park. And guys are walking guys. Throw strikes. But anyway, I just feel like 
the model has changed a bit in it's not good pitching beats good hitting. It's good specialized pitching beats good hitting. And I don't you could have the four best starters in the game. Doesn't mean you're gonna win the series. I don't know if I would go that far. Well I went that far, Brian. Oh, no, hey, listen. It's your show. You could do whatever you want. <laughs> oh, now it's my show. I'm just trying to bring it down. I'm trying to balance it out. When the ratings come out, then we'll see who show it. <laughs> I want to see the ratings for the first half hour of this show. <laughs> PJ's already already working on those. <laughs> PJ's already working on the overnights to make sure he gets a raise. Oh, boy. He's on the phone with Arbitron right now. <laughs> he's like, we had a seven share <laughs> in the New Jersey market. Uh, I think I smell rays. Um, well, anyway, the, the World Series is going on. Pitchers duel tonight. Uh, they're still in the eighth, I think. They've gone to the top of the eighth. Top or bottom of the eighth. Bottom of the eighth, one nothing. Albert Pujols, who, uh, by the way, Cal, has no equal in the modern game. None. Uh, no, absolutely not. His postseason performance puts him so far ahead of A-Rod, it's unbelievable. <sighs> It's I'm sorry. It's, it's look at his postseason numbers over the years he's been in the postseason. I know, and he's got as many World Series titles as A Rod does. Yeah, and it's and it's crazy how on an off year he batted. What did he bat? Two ninety nine. No, 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 no. Didn't he hit? He hit like three twenty five this year. Oh, he hit three twenty five, but he had twenty nine homers and ninety nine RBIs. So it's the first year in his career that he didn't go 330-100. Right. And he missed it by one homer and one RBI. And it was an, and he was playing with like a broken wrist. And he and yeah, he missed he missed 3 weeks when any mortal player would have missed about eight. He had like a bruised spleen, uh plantar fasciitis and a broken wrist. I think he had turf toe also. He might have even had uh, a little of the melancholia. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> And he went in for uh, elective Tommy John surgery. <laughs> just for fun. Just for fun. Just d- degree of difficulty. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, the, that being said, I hate him. I don't like the guy. Right. Of course not. <laughs> hate his guts. Um, I don't like him. <laughs> don't even respect him. No, I respect the hell out of him. I, I don't I care about the guy. Um, so will you watch the rest of the World Series? That's been a big thing. Like it's not getting a good number and it's two teams that nobody's – I mean I hate the Cardinals. Let's be honest. I mean, who are we kidding? You can't be a Met fan and not. Yeah, I mean, the the wounds from 85 run pretty deep. Oh, it's more than just 85, 87. 85 Basically, does it for me, though. You know why? Because that team should have won in 85. They won like 98 games and didn't win the division. 85 is tough. Did that team win 100 games? Who? The Mets? Yeah. They did not. They won 97 or 98. Oh. You're going to make me look it up, aren't you? 98. They won 98 games. Okay. And the, and the Cardinals, what, won? A, what, 100? 101? Uh, would have been 100. Because they came down to that last series of the year, or that last series between each other at Bush in 85, and the Mets won game one on that monstrous strawberry home run. And they needed to sweep to tie. They needed to sweep to tie. They came in at two and a half out. They came in at three out. Was it three? Yeah, was it a three? And then sweep would have tied him. That's right. They, right. Needed, they needed the three. Uh, Hojo hit the home run in in like the fifteenth inning of one of those games, didn't he? Eleventh inning. Yeah. Right. 
That was the series that uh, Strawberry hit the ball off the clock, too. Yes. Right. They won the first two games. They lost the third game. Correct. Darling Good. pitched a gem, I feel like, in the first game. I think Gooden actually lost the third game. No, he didn't. Have. Four losses on the season. Twenty-four and four. He was twenty-four and four with a one-five-three ERA. And high as a kite, apparently. Ninety-eight and sixty-four. Okay, that year. And the Cardinals. The Cardinals were were better. better <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. Though, hold on. Well, I I hate one hundred one and sixty-one. One hundred one and sixty-one. Yeah. So they lost by they won ninety-eight games and didn't make the playoffs. We've done this before, but. If you really want to hurt yourself as a Met fan, go back and look at their records from 84 to 91, I think it is. Um, 90. 90. Because 90 was the last year with Strawberry. 91 was the disaster, right. Right. That's when all – heck. They won like 54 games or something like that. Um, mm. The 84 to 90, which is seven seasons. All right. Let's, let's, let's see. They made the playoffs twice. They won the World Series in 86. They lost in the NLCS in 88. They would have they would have been the wild card in four of those uh in three of those other seasons. That's it. So they would have made that's right because but they would have lost the wild card cow by like a game with like 95 wins. Wow. And don't forget there's no Florida and there's no Colorado. At that time. So pitching is less watered down. I mean, if there's a wild card at that time, they still would have won three of those. So they would have made the playoffs five of those seven years. Okay. And there were there were two years in there where they won 98 games and didn't make the playoffs and won like 96 games and didn't make the playoffs. Well, they won 90 in – they went 92 and 70 or 90 and 72 in 84. 97-2 and 84, they lost to the Cubs, right? Right. 98 wins in 85, 108 wins in 86. Right. 87, I don't think they had a very good year. I think they... They were 90-plus wins, Cal. Were they? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, you can... I, I did it one day just to torture myself. Oh, okay. And it's uh, it's torture. Well, listen, I want to talk about football, though, buddy. Okay. Because uh, Rex Ryan... You know, it's just good times. Why? Mm. All right, let me. I have I have two things here that I want to ask you about. Okay. The first is why does this? Why did that Jet win against the Dolphins feel like a loss? Now we've talked about this a little bit already. Over the the, but that was there any way that that game was going to feel good unless they won forty eight to nothing, and set and set a record for offensive proficiency. <laughs> Uh no, okay. They they were kind of in a no win situation, I think. Right. Do you think that the Dolphins quit in that game in the second half? <sighs> I've heard it said all over town uh, that the Dolphins quit in that game in the second half, and so you should take even less from this Jet victory, and that they've they've quit on Tony Soprano, Tony Soprano. Tony and Tony Soprano. Tony Gabagool. <laughs> Quit on all of them. That's right. Uh, that's, that's, it's tough. It's real tough to say a team quit. Okay. You got to be very careful with that. I don't think that they put 
maximum effort. That's a kind way of saying it. Into the second half of that game. You're so diplomatic. What are you running for office down in my? <laughs> Uh, uh era people of Miami. Right, I'm I'm running on the Andrew Luck platform. I feel uh era that uh <laughs> you uh did not get a maximum effort out of your team. I don't know why we have the Kennedys in South Beach. <laughs> That's sort of a go to for me though. Like anytime a, a politician. Yeah. Anytime a politician comes up, if you have a solid Kennedy in your back pocket, you gotta play the Kennedy card, right? I feel like that's something that Phil on Modern Family would say, what I just said. <laughs> and how he would rationalize a really bad impression. I feel like somehow right now I'm doing the confessional on Modern yes. Family. <laughs> if you've got a really good Kennedy, why don't you know you whip it out when <laughs> politics comes up? Um, I, here's, here's one of the things I took from the game, Cal, that I loved. Well, but, but tell me, do you think they quit? I don't think they quit. I, I think that uh, they're NFL players. I don't think they quit. I mean, I really don't. I really think it's a little early in the season for them to quit. Right. Um, you know, they happen to be playing with a very bad quarterback, and, and, they, and they're not a very talented team right now. There's a lot of talent on that defense, for sure. I, I don't think they quit. I think the Jets made a couple of plays finally, and uh, and you know once it was twenty four six, I think they sort of melded in. But look, okay. are they not playing for Tony Sperano? Yeah, probably not. They know he's probably going to be fired. They, you know, but you you you're not telling me that the guys on the current team are not playing for their jobs even now. You know, Andrew Luck or no Andrew Luck, these guys want to have jobs. You know they 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 they're being evaluated on you know for next year. So anyway, one of the things I took though that I, that I told you this was that and but it really is reflective of what I don't know what Schottenheimer's going to do this week against San Diego and we'll talk about this game. It's a huge game for the Jets. They're you know they're stepping back up in weight class, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and of course Rex would have won several Super Bowls. He tells us. Uh, had he been named the coach in 2007. Anyway. That's right. Um, Schottenheimer essentially looked like me playing a kid in Madden online. <laughs> when he was calling plays on the first four series. When you first get the new Madden and you go play online, you're like, I'll, t- I'll play somebody. Right, and you try to do like the same uh, level, skill level, and you don't want to forfeit and all that stuff. Ironically, and you can't do anything offensively against them. Anything. Right, right, and the and there was actually a kid in his headset telling him that he sucked (laughs) as he was playing the plays. Right, right, right after Michael Vick throws a seventy-eight yard bomb that you can't defend. I mean, Schottenheimer, Schottenheimer all but ran everything but the Statue of Liberty. You almost expected Sanchez to take the snap and just sprint back towards his own goal line and then just heave it up. Have you tried the Madden 07 offense yet where you just sprint backwards and hope hope for a glitch? <laughs> when you used to play Tecmo Cal and you, you would uh, 
you you know you only had like what eight plays to choose from or four plays to choose from. Right? Uh huh. On the original Tecmo, you only had four plays to choose from: two runs, right. two passes, and the guy could pick two defenses or you know four, out of four defenses. And if he had the play red, in other words, he would try to guess what play you were going to call. And if he had it red, it just got stuffed. Like there was no chance. Right. That's what defenses look like going against Schottenheimer. Well, for, cer- certainly like, this week they have the play red. <laughs> they they chose the Bo Jackson uh, end around, and they have the play red. Well, that one play to Tomlinson where he was going to throw the ball. That's well. That's the classic. That's the that was the best one of all of them. That was the and, that was that was the uh, the creme de la creme where he I, has a direct snap on third and three at his own twenty yard line. He runs a direct snap to Tomlinson for a quarterback throwback to Sanchez. <laughs> I, you can't, and you know. You know when he called that play, he was thinking to himself, I'm a genius. This is it. They're never going to see this one coming. They'll see. I'll show them all. Can't tell you how well this worked on the practice field with no defenders. <laughs> Sanchez was wide open. I don't understand it. Sanchez was wide open. I don't get it. It was embarrassing. It really I, – I was embarrassed for him. Then he calls the hurry up. They come out in the next series and <laughs> hurry up and go three it out. It's like he has like he had a literal bag of plays that he just dumped on the table. <laughs> All right, let's go. What do you think? Let's just try it. And of course it took a busted play for the offense to get going. <laughs> I know. And there you go. Well, anyway, uh Rex Ryan came out this week and said, you know, with his usual bluster. Now you and I disagreed about this. We were uh texting a little bit with Dr. Ray Stat. He's making proclamations. Yeah. Uh I, I I thought I don't feel like the comments are defensible, Cal. I think I said that. Right. And I think he said that today. I listened to his press conference. He backtracked and apologized. Backtracked, apologized, knew he said something stupid. I think he hand, the way he handled it, handled it today was 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 good. Right. Well, he handled it, you know, he knew and and not only that Norv Turner of all people you know, stung him back with the great line about, you know, would those rings be with the gar- the rings you got from your guarantees the last two years? <laughs> Which is a great line, and, and Rex mentioned it twice. Right. That he, that he got him back good. But I you never expect that from North Turner. Right. No, you don't expect anything from North Turner. You know, if, I, if, if they had hired me, I would have won two Super Bowls by now. Yeah, well, you are. Yeah. <laughs> Good one, Norv. Good one. <laughs> now he yeah. was good. Well, your brain has a hard candy shell. <laughs> um, that's what I expect out of Norv Turner. But uh, Cal, this is this is this does the job. Does it? No Please. one's talking about the offense again. No one's talking about Santonio San Holmes calling out his own teammates. Nobody's talking about them sniping at each other. Yeah, the articles written today were like, oh, the Jets have a thin skin, and they sure can talk, and Rex was at it again, and it does the job. The pressure is off the team again. Now, I don't think he did it on purpose in this particular instance. 90% of the time, he does. And this is why I like this team coming into this game this week. They play better. 
Cal, I want you to know how close we're going to be sitting to that guy, by the way. Yeah, I know. Our tickets for this Sunday are in section 124. I think think we're about 20 rows behind him. Do we want to reveal that? You know what? We should reveal it now on the air before I hurt him. Because if I have to see one more commercial, or hear Fireman Ed, here to tell you, number one Jet fan, here to tell you about... Dude, you were a Cowboy fan until you were 15. Okay? Dolphin fan. And a Dolphin fan. Okay? We we know people who grew up with you. Stop it. Big Green is going all the way to number one, baby. If you're... Look, if you're a local business, Cal, are you really seeking out Fireman Ed to do a radio spot for you? Fireman Ed is doing a series of radio spots for a local... What is it, a car dealer or something? Yeah. Really? Do you think he has an agent? And we Oh, he definitely has an agent. In fact, he does, right? when we were watching the game on Monday night, Nello speculated that he must have a new agent because he's everywhere. Right. He did the opening for Monday Night Football, which was a, a mockery, turned into a sham. They've, they've, made, they've turned a sham into a mockery. <laughs> and that was embarrassing. That's what, what I wanted to get to. Bry, more about the Rex Ryan comments. Okay. Is it embarrassing to be a Jet fan right now? A little bit. You feel like it is? A little bit. Why? I don't know. It's not, it's, well, you know what it is? I, embarrassing is, is, is the wrong word. I'm tired of having to defend him or defend myself as a Jet fan. Why do you feel the need to defend him? Well, I did. The first the first couple of years I defended him. It was always the you know, it was oh, oh what a buffoon. He opened his mouth again and he said something stupid and it was always well, yeah, but he's not saying anything bad about the other team. Right. You know, that was that was always we always had that to hang our hat on, was that everything that he said was designed to pump his own team up. Yeah. And it came across as um as bluster and braggadocio. <laughs> But it wasn't. Um, it was. I think the name of. I think those are the name of his fists, by the way. <laughs> bluster and braggadocio. You want to get a little bluster and a little braggadocio. <laughs> Go on. I'm sorry. Oh God. Um. But you can't defend it anymore. Yeah, it's it's tough to defend, and and it's really hard to defend when they're when they're playing so poorly. See, I don't feel the need to defend it anymore. So what do you do? I don't. I just, what do you do? My, my pat line these days is, why does it bother you so much? Who cares? Oh, well, you know, they should they should win something before they talk. Okay. Probably. I, I mean, okay. Why, why does it bother you so much? That's true, because, like, wouldn't, if, if you respond like that, wouldn't that essentially end it? Like, what sure. could the other person say at that point? Well, you know, he should shut up. Okay. He's not going to. And frankly, as a Jet fan, he has changed the culture around the team. Uh, They have been to two straight AFC Championship games. We don't think they're going back to a third one. I don't think you do. I don't think I do. I think we said it the second the Pittsburgh game ended last year. Yep. I don't think they will survive to the end. I think they will be voted off the proverbial island. 
uh, before, but I but that doesn't change the fact that they are a better product and they are a better organization than they were three years ago before he got here. I, and I, frankly, I just say, okay, you know what? If it bothers you that much, we must be good. The Jets must be good if it bothers you that much because nobody gives a crap about a big mouth on a on a lousy team. Well, everybody hates the Cowboys, whether they're good or bad. But that's a, that's a that's a national treasure. That's that's a god. That's an inalienable right of being an American. Of course, you hate the Cowboys unless you love the Cowboys. Because right. the Cowboys n- name themselves America's team. You know, the, you're going back 40 years with the Cowboy hatred. I'm talking about three years with the Jets, and the Jets were a laughing stock for years and years and years. And this guy comes in, and why does this talk? I don't understand why it bothers so many people so much. I mean, I get why guys write about it, you know, in the papers and stuff. Cal, they got to sell papers. Fine. Right. But who, you know, you really think in the NFL they care? Do you think the players and coaches really care? In the NFL, I think they do. Oh, I think it's it's wrestling, Cal. It's wrestling. I, you don't think you don't think coaches look for any little nugget that they can throw up on the bulletin board oh, to fire their team up? Sure, sure. But I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I don't think it makes anybody plenty harder. I mean, you think it makes Tom Brady want to, you know, play harder or play better because Rex Ryan said something about him? I do. He's Tom Brady. Yeah, but but you know, I I feel like it does. Oh, I feel I, like he goes crazy. out there and and like I want to beat that guy so. M- now, I agree with you. It shouldn't. When when you are an athlete at that high of a level, you right. shouldn't need that to motivate you. That's a mistake. I, 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 underst- I have always understood where you're coming from in that aspect, that at times you can give teams motivation where they might not have had it. Or give them – strike that. Give them certain motivations that they might not have had. Right. I'm not suggesting a team is, is ever going to play at anything less than 100%. Right. Their effort is always going to – you know, they go out there with the intent of giving their maximum effort. But if somebody says something bad about you – you're going to have a chip on your shoulder. That's you're going fair. to go out, you're going to go out there and and you have something to prove. That's fair. And, and I think that that's what his comments essentially do with or some can, can do or can do. Exactly. We, because we shouldn't in the biggest spots where he's done it, he's won. And you remember him throwing pillows around against the Steelers and they lost. Right. After two weeks of ripping on Brady and you know kissing Belichick's behind and then the stuff about Manning and who studies more and all that crap, he got in both of their heads and he beat them both. His team, I should say, beat them both. Okay, And then they threw pillows at each other leading up to the Steelers game, and the Steelers came out and beat the crap out of them. I think they did watch Glee. They might have. <laughs> that was the music he was pumping into the practice facility all week. <laughs> I, th- I thought maybe on an episode of Glee they threw pillows and they had a pillow fight. Uh, I'm sure they did. Which might have, I don't know. You would know. You're the Glee Master General. I'm a Gleek. Wow. Not so much anymore. He said Gleek. Yeah, I'm, I'm down on him. Oh, good. I mean, as well, you should. For the record, it's not that good. Um, 
So look, they're not talking about the offense. They're not talking about San Antonio Holmes. They're not, you know, Schottenheimer gets a breather for a week because they're talking about what a big idiot Rex is again. Now, Brian, this is the huge point that I've been waiting all day to bring up on our little radio show, Ready to Unload with Callan Sampete. All day? Uh, live every week. Uh, and, and also, please click on the podcast and, and subscribe. Uh, and we're looking for a sponsor. Just throwing that out there. Maybe Fireman Ed, maybe Fireman Ed's available. <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't be knocking him. He's we got. Maybe, uh, we should maybe try to get a promo on. Uh, on we should try to get a promo on Sunday. <laughs> try to get it, go up to him and record a pro. This is Fireman Ed, and you listen to Radio Unload with what's your name? <laughs> How much you paying me? Oh boy. Um, he's going to burn out, Brian. Oh, no doubt. You cannot let you can't win or lose. I had a really good conversation with a buddy of mine today at work who's a big Jet fan as well, and we were talking about Rex and the comments and you know, what did I think? And I was telling him uh I, I think it's it's so interesting that these things always seem to come up when the team is in an absolute crisis point. Yes, the forty five to three shellacking or whatever, he said something stupid about the Patriots. You know, I can't wait to play them again and which we could play them in the parking lot right now, and it, whatever. It always seems to come up at the team's biggest crisis point, and all of a sudden you're not paying attention to the team anymore. You're paying attention to him. And I said, but he's going to burn out. Win or lose, you can only do this for so long. And I had it occurred to me who the comparison is. He's John Madden. I mean, we've seen this guy before. You know, it's tough. We we weren't around for Madden. We no. were, but we don't remember him. But Cal, read all about it. Yeah, but did, but did Madden, Madden was Madden like this? That well, I mean, a tapered example. Yeah. Had there been media outlets and blogs and and Twitter and all this stuff, you think for a second John Madden wouldn't have, wouldn't have guaranteed a Super Bowl? I mean, you think that John Mad John Madden? I feel like was like Rex Light. You know, and in the way that he wanted to win and in the way that he treated the Raiders job as if it was the greatest job in the world and the fact that he won but he burnt out and then he went on to become the greatest football commentator of all time. I mean, I think this is I think there's a really good parallel here where you could see Rex maybe coach this team a maximum of 6 years. And hopefully win a Super Bowl and then get out. And then and then go to, because you can't you can't do this forever, Bri. He has then, he has no filter. When when did you when did you come to this conclusion? Today about two two fifteen. Really? That's right. See this is this is something that I've it was before lunch. Okay. <laughs> before lunch. It's not like you ate something and you had a like. Wait a minute, <laughs> I had Chinese and all the MSG. That's what it was. It was the kung pao. Yep. How come every time when you refer to somebody eating Chinese, it always has to be kung pao or general sauce or general sauce? Yeah, I'm going with one of those. Now, how do you pronounce that? General Sa- General Sal. See, so do I, but I've been told I was wrong. General so I used to say general General Taos. General Sal. General Sal. I used to say General Tao's like the like T A O, <laughs> General Dow. 
boy, it's not right. I served under General So. <laughs> uh, um, this is. <laughs> I like a good general. I like a good general. Uh, Sal's chicken. Yeah, too spicy. Yeah, you don't like the spicy. I'm not. I'm. I'm the worst person to talk to about spicy. So essentially, Calpino. When I call you that, not so much. It's ironic, is what it is. Oh, I see. I see. So, so without even knowing it, you've what's you've your, done. What's your standard Chinese order? What do you got? Chinese order. I get. I go with a chicken lo mein. Nice. I like a nice beef with peppers and tomatoes. That's over a little white rice. That's uh, that's like. That's not Chinese. That's not, that's not Chinese to me. It's pepper steak. <laughs> it's like sausage and peppers. I know. And peppers. That's like Italian. That's exactly. Yeah. No, I like, but I like lo mein. I'll go lo mein. I'll go. Um, you, you a dumpling guy? Nah, not so much. Wow. My wife is. Is she really? Loves the dumplings. Does she go for sushi, Cal? She loves sushi too. How about you? Not so much. I do not eat sushi. You you neither, right? Nope. Do not. She'll, do not. she'll order sushi for herself. <laughs> Dinner. Right. Um, and, and, you know. What are you going to have? <laughs> no, 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 no. She's wonderful. She'll make us dinner. Oh. And then we'll order sushi for herself. Really? Yeah. I did not see that coming. Yeah, she's, she's surprising that way. That's an excellent, that's an excellent job there. Uh, but anyway, getting back to the burnout that Rex Ryan will be. Yeah, so my point here was that this is not something that just smacked me in the face. This is something I thought about in year one. And I'm and I burnout. Yeah, it's surprising that you didn't think about it. Now, remember, I come to the Jets with a different perspective. You know, this whole late in life transition. That's true. To a jet fan. To a jet fan. Right. That's what the, the transition is. Yes. Yes. Right. Not Chaz Bono. Right. Be clear. Right. Although I love Glee. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. It's not that I just came to the conclusion about the burnout, but the Madden comparison just came to me. That's a, that's a, that's a really good comparison. I hadn't, I hadn't considered that. That he could – I could see him winning a Super Bowl – Coming back the next year, not getting back there, and walking away because it's too much. I, I think it's too much. Plus, he's eventually going to say something that's going to get him like run out of the league. Yeah, I know. You know, I know. But the thing with he just he he struck me from the very beginning as a crash and burn type guy. Yeah, he's you know he's yep he he is high octane without a doubt. He's he's heavy duty risk. Uh, there's a million cliches I can come up with here, but he he definitely is uh, a shooting star. As long as things were good, you kind of ride the wave with him. Yeah, you know. But when things got bad, I just I was never under the impression that he could handle it when things got bad. Well, and and the shtick doesn't work if things go bad. No, but you know what? It's not it's not shtick with him. No, this you're is right. him. This you're is right. that, you know he he. When you can tell when he lays it on thick, and that's that's where the shtick comes in when he's right. really like laying it on. But this is him. Yep. No, you're no, you're you're right. You're right. And it and for it, better or for worse. For better or for worse. And and as I said, I, I've come 
I've become sort of accustomed to not going on the defensive immediately with him uh, or being a Jet fan right now or whatever. You know, they've had a lot of success the last two years. They were 9-7, and seven, made it to the AFC Championship game. They were 11-5, and five, made it to the AFC Championship game. I thought they'd take a step even further this year. I could see them going 12-4 and four or 13-3. and three. I thought they were going to be a very good team. They're not. They're not a very good team. They have a huge game this uh, Sunday. I'm not sure that they can overcome the shortcomings of their offensive coordinator. I'm not sure that the quarterback is is going to be is skilled enough to overcome the shortcomings of the offensive coordinator. Um, I don't know if he can uh, outthrow the unimaginative and lack of uh, the way to attack a defense that Brian Schottenheimer brings to the table right now. I don't know if he can outplay that. And the defense is not as good as it's supposed to be. Now, I think that defense is going to be better than last year's for a couple of reasons. One, I think that if it stays intact and healthy, I think Mo Wilkerson, Mo Wilkerson will be uh, – Muhammad Wilkerson is an upgrade over Ellis. I think and that will bear itself out towards the end of the season as the season goes on and he learns the speed of the game. You saw Kendrick Ellis playing this week for the first time. He's finally in game shape. He's finally picked up the playbook. He had two very big plays. I think he's an upgrade at that tackle position. I think that, believe it or not, Jamal Westerman is an upgrade over Brian Thomas. You think? I think he is only because he's small. But the pass rushing ability that he brings that Brian Thomas doesn't well, and and maybe in and, that position. Well, and Maben too. I think Aaron Maben brings and, and, and a having Maben absolutely. But I I think that's almost like a dis- I think that defense can be very very good again. I really do. Well, and you also have a full year of a healthy Revis. Full year healthy Revis. Hopefully continues. Knock on wood. You hopefully have Jim Leonard for the whole year, right? Uh, to stay back there, Eric Smith. There's there's good enough players there. I feel like uh, uh, Wilson is is a better player this year out of the slot, and is playing better. Look, Sunday's a huge game. It's it's a very big game. They have the bye the week after. If they go into the bye at 3-4 and four and have to play the Bills and the Patriots out of the bye, you can kiss the season goodbye. I mean, I don't... I, it's difficult to say that, but I think this is... I think this is as close to a must-win to get a t- get a win against a legitimate team that's four and one. I mean, they're a dog in their own building, Cal. Are they? They they opened as a favorite. They're a two point dog in their own building. Wow, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure that number is flipped. Well, you know what? This is, and this is where Rex Ryan kind of made his bones the last couple of years. Yep. You know, play the nobody believes in us card. This is a this is a perfect spot for it. He's got it in spades for this game. So we're going, man. We are going, Mandingo. One one time only this year. That's right. And you and I have never been to a Jet game together. That's true. So, I believe we've been at the same game. Yes, we were at the Bengals game, last game of the season, the last game in the Meadowlands. That's right. But uh, we did not see each other. We did not interact. It was as if we were not there together. We just started doing the show, right? Uh, two years. Yeah. Wow. Sem- December of a uh, of a. It was it was New Year it was New Year's Day or New Year's weekend of nine into ten. Yeah. Yep. 
So, uh, <laughs> so here's what to expect, Bry. I'm gonna have a couple of beers, and Just I'm gonna couple. I'm gonna try to get people to do the first down uh, thing. Okay, those are my two things. It's fine. As the picture on Blog Talk Radio, that is me. The episode picture that is me leading the first down chant uh, in I mean, our old section. That seems relatively benign. I like to have a fun time at the game. Sure. I've seen the Jets in uh, eight stadiums, been on the road, and uh, it's a fun time. I, I like everybody to have a good time, whether you're a fan of my team. We're going with a San Diego Chargers fan. I know. Our buddy Keith. Keith Lee McWilson, big Chargers fan. He's a very respectful guy. It's going to be fun, Cal. I think it's I think it's going to be a good time. I think that the stakes are going to be so much higher for you, seeing as this is the only game you're going to. This <laughs> it's do or die. This is like they have to win. I feel like I'm waiting on the letter, the acceptance letter from the one college. <laughs> That I applied to. You've got no safety net. Got no safety school. No. This is it. I either I either get into I either get into this university or Jets you. Or it's the car wash, my friend. I don't know it why, why the car wash would ever be an option for me. But it almost makes me fearful to think what would happen. I'm not I'm not fun to be around if they lose. No, you're not. I can I can attest to that. Be thankful you're in another car on the way home because it's much worse when they lose in person. Much worse. I've only I've only been there when they've lost on TV, but yeah, it's 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 much worse. All right, in some bad ones. Enough. Of, did you get the message about what you're supposed to bring? By the way. Yeah, I'm not I'm not happy about that. Well, let's talk about it. We can change that. Let's change it right now. I feel like I could call an audible on this. <clears throat> what what you <laughs> and maybe and maybe you know dip into my bag of tricks. Hey, come up with something that I you know I've seen the menu, I've seen what everyone is responsible for. Okay. And I've and I've I've got an idea. Do it. It's not accounted for. By all means, do it. But then who's going to bring the cheese and crackers? But if you're, if you're bringing something to replace the cheese and crackers nice, then we don't need the cheese and crackers. Nella likes the cheese and crackers. He'll be fine. He's bringing his chips and salsa. He sits in the corner with his chips yeah, and salsa. That's true. He gets his little chair. Do you, do you need more chairs? Do you need more chairs? I've got plenty of folding chairs. I, think, that... I think we'll wind up with eight. So you no. maybe if you want to throw two in Savannah's car, knock it out. Why not? If you're going to go rogue, though, you know, if you're going to go rogue with your uh, assigned food stuff, yes. I, I just ask that you stay within the menu. Of course. Why? Listen, I, I just don't show up with, like, you know, peppers and eggs or something like that. Cal, you know what I'm we saying? talked about this. Exactly. No, I'm not going off the reservation. Thank you, Computer Cal. <laughs> that, that's actually Computer San Pete, right? That's Computer uh, Bishop. Oh, that's right. Bishop bought three thousand. That's right. Right. Um, Bishop bought three thousand. Thank you. Uh, yeah, don't go. Just stay within the menu. Don't show up with like wiener schnitzel. 
This is like Brian Schottenheimer producing the show. <laughs> Who wants to play a game? Oh, yes. He's back, everybody. Let's do it. Let's let's play a game. The heck with the fun load. That's fine. We'll talk about it another time. <laughs> <laughs> we got time for both. There's time for everything. All right. Let's this have is it. open format internet radio. Let's. Wow. This is PJ Cachopo, and you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Stampede. Is that Nana Cherry? No. Wow. The name of this game is called Increasingly Difficult Jets Trivia. <laughs> Sweet. It's difficult for me. It may not be difficult at all for you. Just call out call out the answers, and, and we'll see who's, uh, who's smarter by the end. The answer is Matt Snell. <sighs> game over. He's good. Question number one. Who, <laughs> who was the Jets' first thousand-yard rusher? Oh, Cal, I'm going to say uh, John Riggins. You would be correct. Thank you. John Riggins. Out of University of Kansas. Look out for that. That was 1975. Question number two. PJ's been drinking. <laughs> I will fight you. <laughs> That's question. 19, 1980. Richard Todd sets the record for the most completed passes with. It's completed How many passes, passes in the game? 42. Correct. Who is it against? What? How do you know that? Uh, it was against the Buffalo Bills. Or the 49ers. Oh, the 49ers. <laughs> Darn it. And super bonus, how long did the record stand? Oh. Five, six years. But if you if you can think of who, who broke it, then you know how long it stood. Ken O'Brien broke it. No, I think Vinny, I think Vinny broke it, Cal. Record stood till... Oh, God. No, I was going to say, was it Ken O'Brien in that Dolphin game? No. It was Drew Bledsoe who threw 45 versus the Vikings. Oh, it's the NFL record, Cal. Oh, okay. That's the NFL record. That's right. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, NFL. yes. Not the, not the Jets record. I'm sorry. Right, that was the said. NFL okay. record that Todd had. 42 passes he completed. That's a big day. That's, that's not <laughs> True or false? Four. The 2009... <laughs> 2009... Jets quarterback Mark Sanchez became the first rookie quarterback in the NFL history to throw for three two-point conversions in one game. False? (laughs) Why is that the silliest question I've ever heard? I think it's true. Because, you know, I'm trying to make them obscure here. That's obscure. Congratulations. It's false, but he threw two. He did in a 29-15 win over the Indianapolis Colts, one to Dustin Keller, one to Braylon Edwards. Nice. Moving on! Joe Namath chose to sign with AFL team the Jets, but one NFL team actually drafted him. The Cardinals. Very good. Oh, my God. You got to read that gotta... biography. Got to read that biography. Cal, have you read the I the Namath biography by Mark Kriegel. Actually, you know what? Scoot is, uh, you know, Scoot who works for FoxSports.com. 
is is buddies with Kriegel, and Kriegel's writing a lot for Fox Sports now, uh, mm-hmm. FoxSports.com. And uh, I just started following Kriegel on Twitter and stuff. That book is the best biography I've ever read. Really? Sports biography. Sports biography. Wow. It is. It, it's not just a must-read for a football fan. Just like that's just like that Mets book. But no, really, it is an amazing. Namath was an amazing, is an amazing, amazing figure at the time in the '60s and the creation of the NFL and Sonny Werblin and how the Maras wouldn't even say Joe Namath's name because uh, the Jets wound up getting him because the Giants wanted him and uh, he was the natural. He was. He he could have been a professional baseball player. He could have been a professional basketball player. That's how good of an athlete he was. And Cal, the best part, you got to yeah. read this book. Oh, you would love this book. Especially now. It's got to be an indoctrination into the Jets. Maybe I'll read it on Sunday in the parking lot during, <laughs> at the game. <laughs> while you guys are – while we're all there, I'll just – you know, I'll be asking questions. Boy, Cal is admitted. Um, no, the, the reason I knew that answer, uh, guys, was because the Giants had sort of – and I, I may get this slightly wrong, but the Giants had sort of set up a deal with the Cardinals to draft him and then trade him to the Giants. Really? So that's why the Maras hated Joe Namath, that he chose the Jets of all teams and of all things. He chose to go play for the Jets when they were going to they were going to trade for – him after the Cardinals drafted him. They had like a deal in place with the Cardinals, like you draft him and then we'll make a trade because the Cardinals had drafted like a quarterback the year before or something. Uh, but great book. Mark Kriegel, it's called Namath. Tremendous book. All right. Would have been Jim Hart. Would have been Jim Hart. That's correct. Next. What do the infamous 1975, 1976, and 1977 seasons all have in common for the Jets? They didn't make the playoffs. That's for sure. Uh, ten losses. Close. Uh, they were three and eleven all three, three 11. seasons. Three and eleven. Wow. Was one of those years the Lou Holtz year? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. When he had the, when he had them memorize a fight song. <laughs> and then he quit with one game left, right? Yeah. You, you know that story, right, Cal? No. Holtz Holtz thought what they needed was a fight song. So he oh. wrote a fight song for the Jets and made them learn it. Wow. For professional at- Riggins was on that team. Yeah. And made them learn it and sing it. And uh, uh, back to college, maybe, Lou. Back to Brilliant. college. That's in another right. great Jet book called uh, The Gangrene, 39 Years of Football Futility by Gerald Izansky. Increasingly yeah. difficult Jets trivia. The so, Jets once got a fourth-round draft pick. In exchange for a coach, what happened? Jets got a fourth-round draft pick in exchange for a coach. Oh, that's Belichick, right? You tell me. They got a fourth-round draft pick for Belichick, and they took Leon Washington. Herman Edwards to the Kansas City Chiefs in 2006. Oh, that's right. And they took Leon Washington. Okay, yes. I'm right, I'm right, I know I'm right. You do very well. Here's a good one. Is number 90 retired? No. You know who 90 is, though, right, Cal? It's Dennis Bird. Yes. Uh, I don't think retired. it's retired. 
not retired, but has not been worn by any player since the career-ending and briefly paralyzing injury. Well, mostly paralyzing. Mostly paralyzing. <laughs> I mean, seasonally <laughs> paralyzing. Right. He he did walk again, but you know he he wasn't running back onto the field. No. True false. <laughs> Jets coach. Herman Edwards once played for Jets coach Rex Ryan's father, head coach Buddy Ryan. Should Ooh. I read that one again? No. no. False. Yeah, I'm going to say false. The answer is false. Buddy Ryan cut him as he took over the Eagles in 1986. Uh, wow. Funny. Wow. They walked in the door, shook his hand, and said, We won't be needing you, Herman. <laughs> you can leave your helmet and your shoulder pads and go to Vegas. That's right. Uh, all right, well, let, well, let's end it there, Pete. That's a good one to end on. Good, because I'm out of questions for increasingly difficult Jets trivia. <laughs> you need know how- reverb. Yeah, you do need reverb. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Want me to go do it in the stairwell? I'll do it in the stairwell. <laughs> do it through an empty paper towel roll. Speaking of... Uh, hold on, I'll try this. Hold on here. Okay. Increasingly difficult, Jets <laughs> And now his children are awake. Was that bad? <laughs> oh, yeah. Are, are Lily and Danny at the top of the stairs now? No, dude, I'm at work. <laughs> speaking of speaking of reverb, I got to tell you guys this, and then we probably should go. But so I, it was like two weeks ago at work or whatever, and uh, somebody was playing like awful '80s music towards the end of the day on a Friday or whatever on their speakers, and our our work is set up like a bullpen, so nobody has offices. Everything is sort of out in the open, and uh, Electric Avenue comes on. And, uh, and you know, Pete, remember I told you my buddy Jay uh, that I work with uh, has the the guy from the Yayas. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he uh, has a studio and stuff, so we're listening to it. We're sort of cracking up and just goofing on it or whatever. And he goes, he's like, "Oh my god, holy reverb!" Like, <laughs> like, like, did somebody show up at the door and was like, "Uh, yeah, I got that reverb you guys ordered." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he show up at the door of the studio and be like. You guys ordered a, a ton of reverb? Yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Down in the street, that is violent. <laughs> you guys ordered reverb, 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 reverb? <laughs> um, anyway, well, good trivia, Peach. I don't think we're going to have time to talk about our fun load topic, Cal. No. But we can touch on it. We can touch on it real quick. And what it Did was. Did I ruin Christmas? I ruined Christmas again, didn't I? You, Christmas? No, you didn't ruin. No, you didn't. No, no, no. No, no. You're good. That was fun. That was fun times. <laughs> the, the rough part is we're going to have to play the outro music again in about seven minutes. I'm on top of it. Time for the fun How did Scatman Clubs get in on that? <laughs> oh, yeah.
animal from the Muppets? That was my Louis Armstrong. Very it was, oh, Louis Armstrong. Yes, it's time for the RTU fun load brought to you by FFAdvisors.com. Go to FFAdvisors.com for all your fantasy football needs. Fantasy football tracking needs. Dave Rutley and the boys uh, do a great job. FFAdvisors.com. Now, the, the, the fun load. No, what I wanted to discuss is the revelations that Doc Gooden came out with on E60 last night, which, of course, were broken you know, seven months ago on uh, WFAN and eight years ago in the great book, uh, The Bad Guys, won by Jeff Perlman. Basically, though, uh, uh, guys, Dwight Gooden did a lot of cocaine, and he did a lot of cocaine in 1986 during the season, and he missed the big parade uh, you know the the Mets ride down the Canyon of Heroes 25 years ago uh, this month, actually maybe like today, and, next week. Um, next week, right? Because uh, they won on the 26th, right? Mm-hmm. Um, scary that we know that right offhand, isn't it, PJ? No. That we know it was October 26, 1986, when they won Game Seven. Entirely expect at this point, entirely expected. So no, I, wasn't it the 25th? I think they won the 26th because they got rained out on the 25th. That's correct. That's uh, right. Which allowed them to go back to Bruce Hurst. Um, not Bruce Hurst. Yeah, Bruce Hurst. Bruce Hurst. Yeah. Uh, here's my here's my question. What I wanted to bandy about real quickly in, in the fun load here, Cal. We look back on that 86 team with such uh, nostalgia, such love, such affection – for the players, for that season, for um, the way that they won. But a, a lot of those teams from the 80s, those Met teams, we really love. They're teams from your, now, uh, they're teams from your youth that you really love. Does this, does the cynicism of adulthood and finding out these sort of things, you know, we talked about the Red Sox and drinking beers and not caring as much as the fans do. Does this ruin an 86 Mets team for you? I don't think it ruins it, but it definitely makes you look at it differently. You know, Um, because I was thinking about that as as we were talking about it today with Dr. E. Ray, and he was the one that actually asked the question. If it, uh, you know, we, well, he asked the question, does does the cocaine use taint the World Series championship? Right. That's a whole separate question. But, you know, we were we were twelve. We were kids watching this team. We knew nothing from drugs or or debauchery in the clubhouse. I mean, we knew that they were arrested in Houston. Yes, at a bar, in a bar fight. Yes, in a, and it was kind of like what? what? That, that that doesn't seem right. You know, but other than that, you didn't really think about it. You, you just this this was your team, and it was a team that won. And, and and you fell in love with it, and you didn't think about this stuff. And now when you look back on it 25 years later as an adult, and you look at everything that went on, and you read that book, it it just it puts it in a completely different perspective. It does not take away from how I feel about the team. Okay. Because that's, that, I, I still love that team. I still hold those guys, the players on that team, in a special place in my fandom. You know, you just look at it. You look at it as an adult more than as an innocent kid, and right. and it it just change. It's a, it's an odd perspective that it change. You know, that it changes into. Well, you, 
I think as you you know as you get older and you become an adult and you uh, this happens in a lot of walks of life whether it be sports or or politics or uh music or entertainment or something there there's a certain amount of naivete that you have as a, as a a young person or a young adult even or even into your 20s you know the 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 idolization of Kurt Cobain for example that I had when I was 19 or 20 and and he killed himself um I I certainly after learning what I have learned of him as a person and those times and his problems with addiction and stuff like that. It's 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 changed how I feel about Kurt Cobain. Does it change how I feel about Nirvana and maybe the music? Maybe you know, probably not as much. I still love that music. Maybe I have an even more affection for it because I can appreciate it now. Just like that Met team, I think I have more of an affection for it despite the warts and despite the. The cocaine use and and Daryl Strawberry going into Smithers that next year for alcohol and drug abuse and uh, you know you didn't know those things but I I I recall that team and that time really fondly now Cal because I can never follow or love a team like that again I just can't I'm 37 years old most of the players are younger than me it, it's I can love a team I can sure like them. You know what I mean? I mean, that 06 team with the Mets, I really liked quite a bit. You know, you had the rookies with Wright and – well, not rookies, but you had the young guys with Wright and Reyes. and It it can never be the same because it can never be that time again. And also that time in baseball is gone. Yeah, I mean, look at, look at the flack that the Red Sox are catching for drinking beers on their off day on the bench. You know what I mean? And this is what supposedly caused them a pennant. You know, I mean, Keith Hernandez came out and was like, "Really? That's it? <laughs> that's that's a big problem." You know, I, I was thinking about doing lines when I was out of first base. What are you nuts? Yeah, you know. So uh, he didn't say that. I don't mean to imply that. <laughs> but it, the, the, the if, mess, if, if then, Keith Hernandez was given truth serum, he would have told you. <laughs> But the, that that Mets team in '86, that that uh, the Bash brothers in the late '80s, those A's teams, uh, you you had the the Phillies. I mean that Phillies team in '93. In '93, they'll never be a team like that again. You know these, these guys. There's too much. The I mean, Red Sox were the closest that that have come to that. I think that's absolutely right. Um, and and you can have a team. Loved like that, especially the 04 Red Sox broke a curse and everything. But Cal, don't you feel like it makes you? To me, it makes me love those Met teams '85, and you know, even though they didn't win, it makes me love them more almost because that time is gone. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's a good point because you're right. You can't. It, it's it's awkward to love a team like that as an adult. It is. It is. You can't do bit. it. You know, we we have lives and kids and lives and, you know... You, you... Well, right. Perspectives and priorities and everything has changed from when you're 12 years old until you, when you're 37 years old. You know, when you're 12 years old, what do you have? You have the Mets. Right. You have space age cartoon characters. I think what PJ is trying to say there is that he thought when he was twelve that by this time we'd all have cars and jetpacks and we'd be the Jetsons and we'd be walking on moving sidewalks. Correct. 
I'm I'm nostalgic for the Jetsons. Correct. I mean, yeah, well, if, I, if I found out that George Jetson was a meth addict, you know, okay, so be it. You you guys were 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 collecting uh, baseball cards. I was uh, collecting rooms full of VHS tapes of cartoons. Wow. And so, if you found out that Hannah or Barbara were like huge cokeheads, <laughs> would that would that taint your feelings about uh, your cartoons? If one watches enough Hanna Barbera cartoons, you start to accept that there was probably some drinking, possibly some absinthe, maybe some marijuana. <laughs> you just kind of take it as it is. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Well, look, I I think that these good revelations, and they're not revelations, ESPN 360 or 60 or whatever the hell it was. Uh, this was in a book eight years ago. And and it was on it was well covered ground. I'm sorry, Cal. I just I have to rip them for that because I, I just I hate when they break their arm patting themselves on the back for something that's, you know, every Met fan knows that, every Met fan. Yep. But you know what? A lot of non-Met fans haven't heard the story. Yeah. And uh, now they're gonna I, and they and they're gonna think ESPN broke the story, but they yeah. didn't. But I I feel like, you know, if anything, it makes me sad. Because we watched guys like Gooden and, and Strawberry literally uh, could have been great, you know, and sort of uh, have their uh, careers derailed by drugs. But, uh, but I, you know, I love those teams. I can never love a team like that again. Now, I can – I still have losses that hurt, though, with the teams that I love. I think that's where you are more now as an adult. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, the rooting for the laundry, right? Like, well, that team, that 06, that 06 loss hurt more than any, you know, you put it right up there with, with all of the losses that you've had in, in your sports lifetime. Oh, easy. Easy. You know, and that it might, it might be number one for me. Because I was there. Right. It might be number one. And I was an adult. That was the closest I had gotten to. You know, they went to the World Series in 2000, but I didn't think they were going to win. And I, I, that was, I was an adult. I was invested in that team. I went to a lot of games that year, right? You know, uh, and that that loss hurt. That's got to be number one for me. Although that Jet loss last year to the Steelers is close. Worse than the Colts loss. Much worse than the Colts loss. I thought they were going to lose to the Colts. Worse than the Broncos loss. Oh, that's close. That's close. That's that's tough. That's a tough one. Again, these are all but these are all these are all losses you experience as an adult. You know? Right. Nothing nothing up until then crushed me more than losing an eighty eight in game seven. With the Mets. Crushed. Right. Yeah, that was couldn't I couldn't I couldn't put that together in my head. Right. As a 14-year-old. We were not capable of that. No. Uh, well, we got to wrap it up, buddy. Okay. Uh, we'd like to thank PJ, uh, the bishop. Hey, Peach, final unload, buddy? Uh, next week I shall return with more reverb. Fantastic. Cal, final unload. Final unload. Congratulations to the Rangers. Pull out a 2-1 win in the ninth inning to even the series at one and go back to Texas. 
Nice. And uh, my final note is I'd like to wish a happy birthday to my favorite Met of all time, Mr. Keith Hernandez. Ha- uh, speaking of uh, happy birthday, Max turns 58 today. And uh, I love you, Keith. We'll, uh, we'll be back next week. We'll talk all about the Jet game that we're going to see if they salvage the season. Also, the Giants come off by and play the Dolphins. Talk more about the World Series. And uh, we may, I think we might have Jay Linder. Yes. Jay Linder next week will join us to talk about the NBA lockout and his favorite album re-releases. Uh, Till next week, Brian, Steve, PJ. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.